You are listening to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today's episode, I'll be chatting with Lamoris Crawford. Lamoris is chaplain for the Cincinnati Bengals. Hello and welcome back to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Thanks for tuning in today. Today I'll be chatting with Lamoris Crawford. Lamoris is now an NFL chaplain for the Cincinnati Bengals. But before then, we chat about his experience growing up in the south side of Chicago. How he was raised by his grandmother, and at the age of 12, Lamoris was in a gang, but at the age of 14, was selling crack cocaine. Despite these challenges, Lamoris found sports as an outlet, and then eventually, after seeing his friend develop in Christ for several years, gave his life to Christ at the age of 19. Lamoris then went on to go to college and get his master's degree, being the first in his lineage to do so. In this episode, we'll hear about Lamoris's story, his background, and then zoom into his time now in ministry with the Bengals. And then we'll also hop into some more practical scripture-related stuff as well. So stay tuned. We have a lot coming at you. And let's turn it over now to my conversation with Lamoris. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And today I am joined with Lamoris Crawford, um, who grew up in Chicago um, and is now an NFL chaplain. Um, So uh, without further ado, uh, thanks so much for joining, Lamoris. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, so how I like to kick us off is actually by opening up in prayer. Uh, so I'd be happy to to kick us off now, if that's okay with you. Let's do it. Let's do it. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for bringing us together tonight. Um, just happy, grateful, um, ecstatic to to be able to connect uh, with you and, and through you. You know, just just in the in this in this phone call and, and even the power um, of just of human communication um, that that you've been able to provide to us and give to us. So I I, I pray today for for a good conversation and, and to genuinely understand um, a bit more about Lamoris and, and, and his and his background and his ministry and just how you've been able to pour into him and just give and just give so much back to to so many people um, in, in communities and, and just in the country and, and just for the kingdom. So with this, uh, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Um, so to get things started, uh, I just want to actually kind of take it back. I want to I want to hear a bit more about your your childhood growing up and and just kind of where you came from. So let's rewind, you know, back to the to Lamoris back as a you know a teenager as a child, you know, on the south south side of Chicago. I want to know, you know, what 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 was life like for you back then, and what are you know were you always kind of tied to faith? Did you did you have these, you know, these dreams of, you know, being in ministry? So I wasn't raised in a church at all, actually. Um, mm. uh, I was raised by my grandmother, who who raised nine kids as a single mom on welfare in the projects. Yep. And so uh, when I was 10 months old, my mother was murdered at the age of 17. And uh, never met my father to this day. Um, and I had a, a couple other family members murdered. And so I grew up in a very 
gang, um, drug, culture, and dysfunction, which which was normal. And so, yeah, I had no no ministry, no church background. Uh, just grew up with a huge question mark on top of my head of who am I? Why am I here? Yeah. I didn't understand why the things happened to me uh, the way they did. And so it, it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. Um, school came tough for me. Um, I, just a lot of pain that I, I didn't I didn't know how to um, deal with at mm. the time. And so sports was a huge outlet for me. Um, I was a kid that was suspended. I was a kid that was in trouble. I was in a gang by 12, selling crack cocaine by 14. And so, you know, I just really had no outlook for my future or purpose or destiny. You know, those words didn't even bring a bell in my heart. I had no idea what that was. Mm -hmm. And so sports became a huge outlet for me. Wow. That's, that's, that's incredible. And, um, they just, you know, it's just so, so great to see how, you know, I guess how that's changed you. And, and obviously, um, you know, I, I just, just the opportunities that you've been able to have now and just, um, you know, and, the, and then speak, you know, and be in sports and in, in, in a different, in a different way and, and have a, you know, a different opportunity to, to use sports. Um, I, I want to know, you know, was like during, during these incredibly challenging times, um, how how did you stay how did you stay hopeful for you know the possibility or what was to come and was there something that 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 kind of you kept holding on to along the way well yeah i really had no um no hope per se for life i, I really only had a hope to play basketball yeah and so you know i was a four year starter in high school hmm. and you know i saw a lot of things i was the most popular kid in my school. My, my high school was 2,500 kids. Yep. So it was a very large school. And I thought the girls, the parties, drinking, drugs, you know, I, I was doing those things to fill a void in my heart mm -hmm. that the void truly only got bigger. And so the, the, the language of the culture, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s was this what you do to have fun. Yep. And I remember at 18 years old thinking, if this is what life is about, I'm going to be bored because I did it all. And so I did well on the court and I was being recruited for basketball. I had a few colleges looking at me, but I ended up scoring a 14 on my ACT. So I couldn't tell you what I wanted to major in. I couldn't tell you what I wanted to do four years down the road. My only hope was to play basketball. And so because of my grades and scoring that 14 on my ACT, I ended up taking a scholarship to a community college. And then um, I played a year there. And when I was 19 years old is when I had my encounter with, with Christ. My first cousin was a leader of a gang in our neighborhood. He had a few hundred kids under his authority. They carried guns for him. They carried dope for him. Mm. And uh, he met this girl one night and walked her home. Her dad locked him in his living room and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. And he gave his life to Christ. And we met up at 19, and he gave me the gospel, and I accepted Christ, and that's when hope was birthed in my heart. Um, I had no hope for anything else, but now this new life, it, it mm. changed my life. And so from that encounter with Jesus, I finished at that community college with an associate's degree, transferred, and got my bachelor's and master's degree. So I'm the first person ever in my family and my lineage to attend college and obtain a college degree. So... 
Wow. That hope for life came when I had an encounter with Jesus. That's incredible. That's incredible. And that's, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I, I think there's, there's these vivid moments that we have and I'm sure that that's, that's one for you. And, you know, when you look back and you can, you can just feel that moment in that time. Was, was it, was some, was it something that was just instantaneous for you? What, you know, when you, when you met up with him and, and just had, was it a conversation that you had with him? What, what, what was so, what was so intriguing for you and, and, and how just kind of walk me through the emotions? Well, the truth was he, he came to Christ at 16. So I watched his life change for three years before I accepted Christ. And so I watched the blessings of God come upon his life. I watched favor come upon his life. I watched mm-hmm. him change. And so for me, at 16 years old, I was the man. Mm-hmm. So I didn't need God. So mm-hmm. I thought. Mm-hmm. But when I came to the end of myself and realized that what I was doing wasn't helping or solving none of my problems, right? Mm-hmm. You get drunk because you got problems. You smoke marijuana maybe because you have problems. You have this idea that these things will solve the problems in my life. Well, once I came off being drunk or getting high or sleeping with a girl, my problems didn't change. And so when I found out there was more, and when I came to the end of myself, that's when I found new life. And so it was easy for me, truthfully, because I had no hope anyway. And now you mean to tell me this sinless man came to die for me? Yeah. An abandoned kid, no parents, no future, that he died for me. It was the exact messages, the exact message I needed to hear, and it changed my life. Wow, wow, and, and I guess at that time was was it was was it something where when when you were doing that, I think there's a lot of, especially in the culture that you were in, was. Was that was that frowned upon? Was there people who were who were who were questioning you and saying, you know, I, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. Like, why are you stepping away from you know what we had or what we were doing? Well, well, so I come from generational poverty, and 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 so when my family saw it, they were excited because yep. you know I'm not in prison. I'm you know I'm not making the decisions from generations before. Yeah. It was tough for my friends because I was a leader amongst my friends. Yeah. And so I was the catalyst for the parties, for going to the clubs, for drinking, for the women. So yep. when my life changed and I took a step back, there was some animosity. Yeah. But a lot of my friends were smarter than I, some more athletic than I, some of them had parents. And mm. so I just plainly set them down and said, look, bro, some of y'all come from a way better background than I do. Yep. My life has just been changed and I'm running with it. Now, if our friendship is defined by what we do, whether it be drugs, clubbing, girls, and now we're not friends because of it, then we were never friends in the first place. Yep. Exactly. So I've always been a leader and always had, you know, the guts to speak how I feel. Yep. And so when my life changed, you know, it was real. I didn't have to question it. So there was nothing that was going to stop it. Wow. So, so that with that with that background with that story, what what led you? You know, I'm sure there was years in between. You know, after getting your your bachelor's degree, then going on to get the master your master's degree, which is incredible, and 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 then becoming NFL chaplain. You know, where where did that come from? How did how did that kind of come onto your heart? And and what you know, what does that really entail? I don't know if a lot of us you know fully understand kind of you know your role and just and just how you're you know how how you're giving life to others. Yeah. So, you know, where I grew up in Chicago, a lot of my friends made it 
to professional athletes, you know, to the professional level. Yeah. Whether it be NBA, NFL, even had a, a, a guy from my high school made it in a major leagues, was an all star. And uh, so I, when I when my life changed, you know, and, and a few of these guys found out that I came to Christ, hmm. there was opportunities for me to minister to them. And so uh, that began the birth for me for sports ministry. Um, and so I switched my major for my undergrad because I, I saw this coming. I didn't know what it looked like, but I knew I wanted to do something with sports ministry. And one day I was watching Sports Center, and uh, you know the stories kept coming: athlete here, pro athlete here, college athlete here, and life was happening to them in a negative way, whether it be drugs, getting kicked out, academics, and something just burst in my heart that I needed to do something about it. And so that 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 day really rocked me. And so, long story short, God opened some doors for me. And in 2013, I became the chaplain for the Cincinnati Bengals. And so, really, um, our mission statement to our team is: we're here to serve. And so, my wife and I posture ourselves to serve our team in many capacities. And just a few day-to-day things, we host a couple study. Uh, we have about 10 couples from our team that we walk through life with, talk about marriage and relationship. Mm-hmm. I host a men's Bible study once a week. My wife hosts a women's significant others' wives Bible study and also a coach's wives Bible study. And so those three nights a week, plus I do a chapel service every night before a game. And so... Those four points in a week is really the the base and meat of our ministry, not including marriage counseling, discipleship, outreach. Mm. And so we do a lot of things to come alongside them that they will become better husbands, better leaders, better wives, better spouses outside of sports. Wow. So are you so you're tied with the with the Bengals right now, or is this something where you, you travel and 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 speak and and, and 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 interact with different teams as well. So our full time ministry, we are missionaries through athletes in action. Mm-hmm. So we're on staff with AIA as full time team chaplains to the Bengals. And so our full time ministry is to the Bengals, but I have an itinerant traveling and preaching ministry in which I've been doing for thirteen years. So all season, I travel all over the country uh, preaching churches, camps, men's retreats, conferences, yep. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Um, that's you know, for for me, someone who played played collegiate soccer and and continues to play you know play soccer now, and sports has been part of my life. And I, a lot of the folks that are listening to this podcast, it's been an incredibly you know important part of their life too. Um, and, and one challenge that I think has been has been reoccurring, um, especially in our time, or at least just now, is that. It, we view successes as, as playing time, right? Goals or points scored, games won, and it's really it's a it's a statistics based success. So I, I want to know: Do you th- do you think that God you know looks at success like that? Um, or, and how do you and how do you you know how do you deal with that when when players are are, are kind of overwhelmed or maybe feel that, feel like they aren't performing? Well, I, I think um, it starts with identity. So. What I teach my guys is that you are not what you do. So your job is that you're an NFL athlete, but your purpose and your identity is that you're a child of God. 
Yeah. And so the defining line from success is identity. And so whatever success you have in the kingdom, it's all to bring God glory. The world's definition of success is that you make it all about you. The kingdom's definition of success is that you make it all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so our heart is to help them find their identity and their identity, get in the lane of their purpose and that Jesus might be glorified. And so we don't you have coaches that you can talk to about your throwing motion, catching routes. That's not why we're here. We're here to take your hand and put it in the hand of Christ. And we do that by any means necessary. And so we really harp on identity, who they are. Now we're allowing the culture to define who they are, but allowing God's word to define who they are. And you live from an identity-based mentality. And so in the kingdom, we don't chase success. We chase humility. Because mm. Jesus said you could be great. Jesus never, never downgraded greatness. Actually, the scripture says that if you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to serve. You mm. have to be humble. Mm. So God don't mind you having success. Kingdom success starts at humility. It starts at servanthood. And that's what we teach and, and define in our ministry. Wow. So is there is there practical ways that you say, okay, well, let's let's put this in action. Let's put, you know, let's let's get you involved in, you know, something or something. Or is there is there steps that, that these athletes, you know, take as a result of, of kind of what you're what you're, you know, what what you're the I guess preaching or playing a role in their life in? Absolutely. We we take it practical. Yeah. We so we do our Bible study every Thursday. Yeah. And every fourth Thursday of the month. I get them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. For an example, if we're going to teach humility, you have to learn that your life is not about you. Mm-hmm. And so we do what we call our laundromat outreach. We go in the inner city of, of Cincinnati. We find a laundromat and we show up unannounced. We don't call media. We don't tweet about it, Facebook, nothing. Yep. And we pay for people's laundry and pray for them. And so... Part of learning humility is and, and compassion is watching a single mother with two kids have to come on the bus with six bags of laundry to do laundry, right? Yep. Step in her step in her shoes and say, "How can we have compassion in your situation?" By paying for her laundry, that just saved us twenty bucks that maybe she could put towards groceries for her babies. Yep. And so helping them see that God has given you this platform, the question is, what are you going to do with it? Mm. And so becoming greater in the kingdom is all about making other people important, the less fortunate, the widow, the homeless, the fatherless. Those people are the heartbeat of God. So let's meet God's heart, right? If you can do open heart surgery on God, do you know what you would see? Wow. People. You'll see people. God's heart is people. And so that's true success. Not signing autographs after games. Part of your job, I get it. Not the highlights of being number two on the top ten of sports in it. I get it. That's all really. Well, let's do something for the kingdom. It's going to make a lasting impact. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, have you seen, you know, what are some of the biggest things that are the biggest um 
the biggest blessings that you've you know you've seen during your time as you know as a, as a chaplain for the Bengals, um, whether it, and I you know it's probably around a you know a person or you know or, or what what have you seen? How have you seen somebody grow? Or really just you know what's what's been the biggest moment for you? Uh, well, I don't know if there's been one. Yeah. Um, I'm in my fifth season, so I've seen a lot of I've seen God do a lot of cool things. Yeah. Um, I have, I've had the privilege of baptizing three of my players. I've had the privilege of marrying two of my players. Um, so I've seen a lot of cool things. Um, if I could say there's a highlight um, or two, well, just just the growth of some of the men on our team. Um, yeah, I think just the hunger. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's been one specific moment, uh, but 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 the highlights in five years have been phenomenal. Yep. to see what God, God can do with, with, with the lives of men. Mm, mm, absolutely. And, and, and with that, you know, obviously kind of want to um, flip the script. What, what have been some of the challenges uh, or, you know, or, or the tough the tough questions that you have to get into or, or you know, the sticky situations that, that you face? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think some, some challenges has been just the status of what comes with it, the perceived notion of, who pro athletes are, um, you know, people on the outside not getting it, you know, fans, you know, sitting in the stands and hearing fans call some guys out their names, have no idea that they have kids, right? Yeah. So you get to come to a game, yell, you get to tweet about them, you get to send them these mean Instagram messages and Facebook messages and don't realize that they have a child at home. Yep. So, because of what they do, you have a right to spew your negative opinion. And so for me, that's been the biggest challenge. Now that I'm on the inside, saying all the negative opinions on the outside, that's that's like me going up to the McDonald's, to the girl down the street, you know, who forgot the cheese on my cheeseburger, and I cuss her out. Yeah. She's at her job. She made a mistake. Oh, but you can't have a turnover. You can't have a fumble. You can't miss a block. And, and you're, you're the most hated person on the planet. Right, yeah, and so so the culture that's been the biggest challenge for me overall. I haven't had really any big challenges in ministry, so to speak, um, because our hearts is to serve. So we make it all about Jesus anyway. So this, mm-hmm. I really don't take anything personal. Um, if I'm representing Jesus, then there's nothing personal. It's not against me. You know, I've had guys that say, you know, I don't want to come to chapel. I'm not coming to Bible study. Stay away from me. Whatever. <laughs> You're not rejecting me. You're rejecting Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, that, no, that's that exactly, and, and 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 something that kind of on that too. And I'm sure this has been, you know, you see it is is. And I'm going to get a little bit biblical here too. Uh, was going over actually just last night with a few with a few of my friends. We were looking at um, the the sword of the spirit, or the uh, just uh, referring to the to the, the uh, power of, of the mouth and like, you know, in the tongue and just how that is like, it's just the hardest thing to tame. Right. And when we're looking at, especially on the field, I, I think we, I think there's this, this, this consciousness or this, or maybe it's just, it's unconscious that we just, we just act out and we say something, um, you know, to a teammate or to an opposing teammate. That's just not, not, that's not, that doesn't represent us in God's image. Right. 
and and I'm sure that a lot of you know this is this is just the culture. This is this is how I think it's been in in in, athletic, in just any kind of athletics, and especially at the pro scene too. Um, so I, I kind of want to hear your opinion on has this been something that that you that you chat with athletes about and say here's you know maybe let, let's think about how you're when you're actually playing on the field rather than just you know outside of the field too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, character don't turn off when you at work. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so, how when you when you repping that helmet, when you got them stripes on your helmet and you wearing that orange and black and that B for Bengals is on your chest, you have a duty to represent that organization on Earth. You also have a duty on Earth to represent the kingdom, and that's through character. And character is always displayed through behavior. So I really try to teach them that with this platform, right? What what was what was Superman's dad's number one message to him? With this power comes great responsibility. Yep. And so same thing. With this platform of being a pro athlete comes great responsibility. And so you want to represent Christ through your character. Now, we all know as walking believers that that ain't always easy. Right? Yep. Absolutely. And so if we make a mistake, there aren't any cameras. There aren't millions watching. But if they make a mistake, it's next level. <laughs> right? Absolutely. So, so there's grace for that. But character, you're not born with character. It's taught and it's developed. So we try to do things intentionally in what we talk about. You know, speaking life, body language, um, always believing the best about others. Right. Looking at yourself and looking at people the way God sees them. And so we try and harp on those things um, so they can become better. Not only athletes, but better men, because that translates. Right. Mm-hmm. If you work on yourself, that's going to translate to every area of your life at work, in your marriage, relationships. And so it, it'll all translate. Mm-hmm. Something that you spoke on just now in the body language and you mentioned earlier <laughs> It's about our posture, right, and how we posture ourselves to, you know, to God. What what is what does that mean to you? Is that is that body language? Is there is there something else that that kind of encapsulates that the word posture to you? Oh, it's 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 everything. We're three part being. The scriptures are very clear that we are made in His likeness. Mm. If you look at the translated word of it, likeness, it carries the tone of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are spirit, soul, body. So it's threefold. Uh, image, right? The word image in the Hebrew means to take a photograph of. And so, in other words, God took a selfie and made man. (laughs) And so, so then, in that same passage in Genesis that I believe is 2-7, it says, and God breathed, right? That word breath in the Hebrew uh, means literally a piece of God himself. So here we are, made in his likeness, spirit, soul, body, made in his image, we look like our daddy, a, you and your daddy son, A, come on. And then mm. you got the spirit of God in you. And so catch this. This is very important. Because the very thing that Satan wanted from Adam had nothing to do with the garden. It had all to do with his image. Wow. Now catch this. This is very important. Catch this. Hmm. 
angels were not made in his image. Angels were not made in his likeness. And angels did not have the breath of God in them. So we know the fall of Satan had to have happened before Adam and Eve. Are you with me? So not only has he been kicked out of heaven, he realized that God has created something that's better than him and he couldn't stand it. So once he got the image of them detoured, that's how he got hold of mankind. Now, fast forward, Jesus on the scene. He, he, John the Baptist baptizes him. He comes up and what's the first word from the father in scripture? This is my son, son. in yeah. whom I am well pleased. Please. So who called him a son? The father. Mm -hmm. So Satan, so Jesus now in a wilderness, you can edit this however you want. Satan now is tempting Jesus. And the first thing that comes out of Satan's mouth is what? If you are the son of God, what was he going after? His identity. So the, the trick hasn't changed in eons. It's actually still the same strategy he uses today. Now, I have to lay that foundation so I can answer your question about posture. When we determine to posture ourselves in our likeness, right? Because when you become born again, you get a new heart. But now you need to work on your soul. That's the issue. Jesus said to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Your spirit man is born again, but what Paul said, you milk, but you should have meat. We're the only religion that calls this for maturity. So a, a state of posture in every area, we got to doubt our flesh. That's a posture. We have to doubt our thoughts, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Come on. And we have to speak life according to Proverbs. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So to, to wrap all this up, we have to posture ourselves in every area, how we speak, how we live our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Our thoughts. Are you with me? Yes, absolutely. And, and, and so we have to lay those down, right? He who, if you want to be fit to the kingdom, and once you put your hands to the plow, you can't look back. What? That's a posture of determination. If you want to be greatness, or have greatness in the kingdom, you got to humble yourself. That's a posture of humility. If you really want to have an encounter with God and worship and praise, you got to posture yourself to put him on his throne. And so I teach my guys in every area, in your mind, how you speak, the way you treat your wife, the way you treat other teammates, the way you treat fans, the way you treat it determines everything. So you might as well practice it now because God does not skip grades. Whatever area in your life that you fell in character, you will have to retake the test. That was that was awesome. I just I feel like I was I was being preached to myself. Um, I'm sorry, I know it was a lot, but no, 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 it was good. I, I want to rewind it, just you know, partially to to kind of zoom back in. To can you go back to to what you were saying and, and just say it one more time about about Adam and Eve? Can you just kind of go back to to that scene for me again? Absolutely. So when when Satan, all right, so Satan knew something about God's character that Adam did. And why am I steady referring to Adam and not Eve? Because God didn't dish the consequences out until Adam sinned, because that's what we gave the word and authority to. Are you with me? Yes, I understand. And so, and, and Paul even tells us that, that the old man, Adam, he, he don't even mention Eve. Huh. Anyway, yeah. so so Satan knew a part of God's character that Adam didn't. Okay. Are you with me? And so, when this is the first time, this is so powerful, this is the first time time ever 
out of all of God's creation that something looked like him. Mm-hmm. Right? In, in, in Adam. In Adam. In Adam. Absolutely. The trees didn't. The sun didn't. Angels didn't. Seraphim didn't. Cherubim didn't. Come on. Yeah. So if Satan was in Ezekiel, he was in heaven. He knew everything that existed in heaven. So when he get kicked out, evidently we knew he was on the earth. So now God creates someone that looks like him. Could you imagine? Jesus reveals to us that he's the father of lies, Satan is. He's a deceiver. He's a jealous one. So when, when, when Satan sees Adam walking on earth, who is he imagining? Himself. Right? So he couldn't be Adam. Yeah. No way, he couldn't. So now that I can't be you, I'm going to do whatever I can to destroy you. Mm. So from that time to today, what is Satan's number one agenda? To destroy the image of God in man. Number one. Mm-hmm. Because Adam was the first one that that displayed that displayed those three that displayed his identity, um, his likeness, and then as you mentioned, his spirit. Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 Satan is trying to take those those three away from from man. Absolutely. Because because that that's Why? what that because that's what that's what defines somebody in 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 God and in Christ. Oh, absolutely! It's everything. That's incredible. I, I I'm glad that we that we went back through that again. That's something I'm you know just to, to zoom back in. A lot of times I think you know we we get we, we, we get caught in the yep yep I understand I understand and we and we don't uh, really take the time to process and, and understand yeah. and understand the, the rigor and the and the yeah. importance. I want to know kind of with that all that being said, um, when you're when you're talking to athletes and just with your advice in general. Um, what what advice do you have for people who are looking to either you know to get started and, and start their walk with Christ, um, or or just to continue to develop and to, and to continue to be in His likeness, in His identity, and in His spirit? Uh, it all it all comes to exposing your heart, mm. your mind, and your spirit to the Word. That's what it comes to. I tell my guys in Bible study nearly every week, if there's one thing I want you to take away from your time in my ministry, is that I want you to develop a hunger for the God's word. Number one, Mm. if you do not have a hunger for God's word, there's no hope for you. I feel that. None. None. Why? Because heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away we know the hebrews 4 12 says that the word of god is quick 
It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Mm, yep. Piercing, catch this, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul, spirit, and of the joints and marrow, flesh. So it carries every piece of your likeness, your soul, your spirit, and your flesh. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart or motives. Every area of who you are, your image, your spiritual body, the word of God has an answer. It's an antidote and it brings healing. Expose yourself to God's word. That's how you grow as a believer. That's how you grow as an athlete. That's how you grow as a dad. That's how you grow as a brother. That's how you grow as a colleague. That's how you grow as a teammate. Mm, absolutely. And, 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 and catch this. The only religion, and I don't even like using the word religion, but for the sake of this. The only religion on the planet that calls for maturity is Christianity. Hmm. I never knew that. Think about it. I, I, why, absolutely. Why does why does God want us to grow? Because He's calling us to become more like Him, and we serve a big God. There's yes. things about you and your life that you haven't even tapped into yet. That's what God wants you to grow. When God sees you, he already sees you to your full potential. It's our responsibility to catch up to it. Get in. You might have made a valid. And he's hiding out. Hiding out. And God calls him a mighty man of valor. Right? Yeah. So God always sees greater in you. We have to catch up to it. Joseph, here's a dream. God saw something in Joseph. He didn't see him himself. Moses. God saw something in Moses. He didn't see him himself. You want to keep going? I can go down the list. Yes. That's Peter. You name them. Every yeah. single one. God the list always goes on. sees greater in us than we see in ourselves. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah. And, and that that's... And that's that's crazy, exactly. And, and I mean, there's just example after example, and, and you know, the Old and the New Testament, um, and and you see the, the the opportunity, and just to, as, as you mentioned, that's something I, I that really struck with me is the the potential and the 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 things that that are going to go on in your life that you have no, no no even idea that that you were capable of or that you would get yourself into. So yeah, to, to open, absolutely. so to open up to the to the power and 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 how and how great our God is and 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 who He is. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Um, just you know, closing on time here. I, I wanted to um, just ask you, you know, one last question, and, and that's just where where people can find you, where people can kind of track what you're up to, and um, and then also just if there's anything else that you want to mention to that has been on your heart and you feel like uh, it should be shared. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on social media, Facebook, you know, Lamorce Crawford. Um, I'm on IG, Lamorce underscore Crawford, Twitter, yep. Lamorce Kai. So I'm all over social media. Um, just trying to be encouraging to, to people. I mean, if, if there's one one thing I can say or, or, or if I can end with would be just run your race. Don't run, any, don't run anyone else's race. Uh, don't worry about the world's opinion about you. I tell my players all the time. Never allow another person's opinion of you to become your reality. You have to live in God's reality. And if you want to know what God thinks about you, you have to get into his word. God's very thoughts, God's very heart, God's very character is written in 66 books. And his greatest desire, catch this, God's greatest pleasure is to be believed. God's greatest pain 
is to be doubted. Mm. And, that, and that goes back to the hunger. That goes back to hunger, yep. right? I mean, if you're not hungry, then 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 there that 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 starts to leave room for for doubt. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Cool. Um, well, hey, I, I really appreciate you and, and and spending the time to 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 chat and just to to hear you know what you've been up to and what you've been doing and, and just the incredible story and and how it's just still part of it's still part of his story too. Um, it is his story. It is his story. It is his story. Um. Well, uh, I guess without further ado, that would you be able to close us out in prayer? Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Lord, I just thank you for this great opportunity and what the Guys Like Us podcast is doing and reaching people with the gospel, encouragement, edification, with stories. You're a God of stories. You have 66 books of stories. So as they dive into the lives of people's stories, man, those stories become your story. And may all of our stories be wrapped in one story, the greatest story that ever that's been ever told, the greatest story that's been ever written, and that is, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life in jesus name amen amen bless you brother thank you